Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk. Take a listen to actor Andrew Scott in an interview this week. I'm going to make a pitch for getting rid of the expression openly gay. Yes. Hear me out. Here we go. I'm with you. It's an expression that we actually only ever hear in the media. You are never at a party and you say, this is my openly gay friend. Why do we put openly in front of that adjective? You know, we don't say you're openly Irish. You don't say you're openly left-handed. There's there's something in it that's a little near shamelessly. Senator Annie Hoey is with us here on the programme today. Annie, do you agree with Andrew? Yeah, I think, like, I understand where he's coming from. He's absolutely right. We don't describe ourselves. I don't describe myself as openly bisexual. Um, I do think that for in some sectors, there is um, perhaps not as many out uh, gay or queer LGBT people. And some individuals might choose to use the term themselves, openly or out, kind of to honour that historical context and also to recognise that perhaps not everyone in their sector is in a position to be out or openly gay. So I think possibly might be ideal would be, unless someone chooses themselves to describe themselves as openly gay or out or anything like that, then perhaps the media should not use it. Do you know Mm. what I mean? The media should take the lead from the individuals themselves. A little bit like the terms um, disabled person or person with disabilities. Individuals have preferences for how they want to be described and as a general rule, you follow the lead as the person as they describe themselves. So I think maybe the media, unless someone chooses to describe themselves as with the with the word openly in front of it, yeah. should probably pop it away. Is there like is there much of a preference in terms of people out or you know, open or in ter- the, yeah, the d- mean, different words? Like I choose to describe myself as as being. Uh, first out bisexual, for example, in politics, because I, I'm, I'm officially out on the record. It is in recognition that there possibly have been people in the past for whom it was not uh, within their prerogative to, to be out as a bisexual. And, that, and I choose to use that because I want to, I don't, it would be remiss of me to say, well, I'm the only ever bisexual that's ever been elected, yeah. because that simply wouldn't be true. So I try to honour both truths at the same time, but I choose to do that. Um, and that's my language that I choose to use, and people, you know, very often will respect that. Um, but I think media opting to put the word openly in front of something, I absolutely hear what Andrew Scott is saying in terms of like that's the media putting a label onto someone. If someone just describes themselves as I'm gay, we don't need yeah. to put anything else in front of it. And to I think say the media openly needs to, gay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they just need to take the the lead from the individual. I think Eliza Splinter from um, from Gay Project in in Cork is with us too, Annie. Do you agree with Andrew Scott on this? Should we stop or get rid of the term openly gay? Um, so first of all, it's Ailsa, but um, yeah. Apologies. Say, no, that's okay. Um, I think there are some nuances with this. So in general, I completely agree. It's a, it's a silly term for the media to use. And, and I often think a good way of testing something is how would it be if you turned it around and if the media were referring to someone as being openly straight? It's a bit ridiculous. Mm. Um, but I do think there are occasions when individuals may wish to use it about themselves or about someone else. I'll give you an example. We have some of our uh, regular service users here who are out and therefore you could describe them as openly gay. But maybe they're in relationships with somebody who isn't and they then might choose to say that they're not openly gay in this, because 
they can't say they're not out in, uh, because they will be out to some people. But what they mean by that is they're not out everywhere. So perhaps they're not out at work or they're not out to their family or that sort of thing. But I, I absolutely agree with the senator. It's, the, it's really about what the individual wants. And labelling by the media is never really very helpful. Uh, if you actually listen to the interview and you read the initial stuff that it all came from, yeah. what, and, what Andrew Scott was saying was it's about transformation as well. So somebody who is straight should be able to play um, a gay role, just like somebody who's gay should be able to play a straight role. That's what acting is about. And to start sticking labels on people isn't very helpful. It's more about making sure there's representation of minorities. So LGBT people should be well represented in uh, the acting profession and indeed any any sector of society. What is your... um experience of of homophobic language in general and how prevalent it still is? Um, Well, luckily we seem to have got away from the the sort of um, the trend for outing people, which was of course very harmful. When to be out was still regarded as something shameful or or to be embarrassed around. Um, I've had my share of uh, newspapers putting headlines about me, which were completely irrelevant to the topic they were covering. Um, And I think it's, it's less than it used to be. So I think we have moved on from that. But still, there are people who, for sometimes very good reasons, don't want to be out and labeling them can be really harmful. Homophobic language is always bad, you know, and there's always this temptation for people who use it to say, oh, but you've got no sense of humor. It's only joshing. It's, you know, it's banter. And it's not. It's harmful. Have you have you had much experience, Annie, in the political field of, of, you know, this kind of language? I'm sure you have. Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, you know, I very proudly fly um, the rainbow flag, the trans flag in my office. So it's very often in the background of many of the videos I do because it just so happens to be in my office. The Palestinian flags and other flags are all there as well. Um, and that certainly will bring out uh, the worst of the worst in people and really some dreadful things people will say about our community, uh, my community, the LGBT community. I don't think there's a more kind loving, caring community, you know, that's, that has really fought to just be able to live their true, authentic selves. And sometimes those flags, I think, can be like a red rag to a bull, but I'm not going to take them down because they're part of who I am and who I represent in the office. Um, and I do see online, even without the flags, you know, do people will very often question whether or not I even get to be a member of the LGBT community. Um, you know, bisexual erasure is still sometimes... Uh, flying around the place. And and sometimes, you know, I still see, even, you know, I was on the bus not so long ago and I heard some really surprising language that I kind of thought we had put to bed. You know, I thought we weren't going to call people some of those names. And as I said, I think there were young young people just kind of jousting with each other. But I was really struck. I was like, Jesus, I didn't think we were using that language anymore. Uh, You know, gosh, I thought we'd kind of put that to bed. And you have to look at it in terms of the context. You know, we still have people globally who are being murdered for their sexual orientation because they are trans, because of who they love. Uh, we have anti-gay laws being passed both within the European Union and globally. And um, those are very worrying. So we've, we've come a really long way and, okay. and we all still think of the, the great days in Dublin where we were dancing on marriage equality. But, you know, members of our community, the gay community, were, you know, were murdered in Ireland not so long ago. 
um, you know, so we still have to, okay. we can't be, ever yeah. become okay. complacent, I think. You know, um, we've got we've to fly the flags. But ben is on the line as well, Annie, in, in Tipperary. Ben, what's your experience of this? Um, I was thinking um, of Annie's example there in regards to the, fr- the new French Prime Minister, who is was described mm. um, as the youngest, obviously, in modern French history and openly gay. Using terminology like that to describe that, I believe, historically and factually is correct because we have no evidence to say that there hasn't been a homosexual prime minister of France or anyone that's an member of the community because they weren't living in an environment where they were allowed to be out or they were allowed to be publicly out. But there's not, there's no, there's not a possibility that there wasn't one. We just weren't aware of it. So using in the context of that, when it's quite discursory, I don't believe that it's labelling him. It's providing context to the fact that you can't discount that there was never previously. Yeah, well, that's why it was in the news, I suppose, this week. Yeah, I think I think in that sense, it does make sense. I think, you know, people, if I'm talking to someone or if I'm talking to someone on a social media app and I'm getting to know them and we strike up a conversation about, you know, meeting each other or whatever, and they might say to me, I'm not openly gay to the wider community or I'm not whatever. I have to take that into context and I understand that they might be in a position where they have family that don't support them, they have people around them that might not support them, they might be in a position where they're not comfortable in being out or in a community where they're not comfortable in being out or being publicly um, out to a lot of people. So I have to like respect that and understand that. So again, using it in that context, the kind of not being open or being openly gay, I think is quite valuable as well. But as was also stated, I suppose brandishing it upon someone probably doesn't really make any sense in that context. I believe it's a, if it's a self-identifying thing or it's, a, again, as I said, if it's just a sheer fact, of the, it's like it is the first openly gay prime minister mm. of France. So taking the lead really from from the, the person or individual. Yeah, and I think I think um, just in relation to the other question about experiencing um, homophobia or yeah. experiencing any kind of issues, I think uh, having these conversations is really valuable, uh, but also having the difficult conversations with people who don't agree with you or people who don't have the same opinion of you and to not exist within a bubble. And again, that's not me saying that issues don't occur within the LGBTQIA plus community. Obviously, there are disagreements. Mm. There are different facets of the community that disagree okay. with each other. But obviously, I think you need to invite people that have maybe not a violent or a violently opposing view, but maybe if they think differently or they think differently, having a wider conversation with them, I believe is helpful as well. Okay. Because, you know, I was walking through a park with my then boyfriend a few months ago and we were holding hands and I don't live in a small, like, like close-knit community. I live in a relatively medium-sized town and a group of young people, no more than 13, 14 of young boys were passing and felt the need to pass comments and laugh and snigger and really? et cetera, et cetera. So it's and still, it's still, it, it's still obviously as, a, as apparent and, and, and prevalent at times as well, Ben. And like, it's, it's terrible. And we've heard so many stories like that here um, on, on the programme. But look, thank you for, for joining us and sharing your experience with us today on the show. Um, ben and, and Annie and uh, Elsa there as well. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk.